Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for purpose-driven leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business and boardroom topics, trends, innovation, transformation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, we meet Lester Clark, the COO of a key oil field and energy services company. Lester is an accomplished C-level leader who brings small company speed and agility coupled with large company discipline, rigor and compliance. Lester brings diverse leadership and organizational skills and experience in complex environments over the last two decades in the energy industry across the globe and four years in the telecom infrastructure industry in the African continent. Africa has an immense potential and today we'll hear from Lester about leading through energy transitions as a business topic, but also leadership in Africa and the globe and the approaches towards driving cultural change in African businesses. Lester, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Stephen. It's a real pleasure to be on your show and to be able to both share and learn on your podcast. Thank you. Wonderful. Lester, just before we started, we were exchanging where we're located. And as you know, I'm based here in London, UK. Um, and obviously, you've got ties to the UK as well. But where are you, where are you based? Where are you calling from today? Well, at the moment, I'm calling from uh, Abuja in Nigeria. Um, I'm, I'm here, I go between Lagos, Abuja and Port Harcourt in Nigeria with uh, the company that I'm, I'm working with. Uh, as you said, I'm Group CEO at OilServe. Um, OilServe uh, is a company been in existence for over 30 years and it's Nigeria's leading provider of uh, integrated engineering uh, procurement, construction, installation, commissioning services, EPIC, as we, uh, EPCIC, as we call it, um, and uh, employing over a thousand people. Um, uh, the reason I'm in Abuja is that uh, our current flagship project is uh, the AKK gas uh, pipeline. Uh, this is a pipeline, a gas pipeline that's running from the south of Nigeria to the north of Nigeria and is the biggest infrastructure project, about $2.6 billion project, uh, the biggest gas infrastructure project uh, for some time in Nigeria, and is really, really going to uh, drive a gas revolution in the country um, and just enable us to, to, to start that just transition uh, to a much uh, cleaner energy environment. So uh, we're definitely keen to hear about the project and the transition as well on the energy side of things as well. Um, but um, keen to hear about your, you know, your leadership journey. Where did it all begin? And um, tell us that intersection with that professional journey and the personal, you know, personal journey. And then we'll come into the the business sure. aspects. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I was born in the northeast of Scotland. And I think like, uh, like all good Scots, um, I'm always looking out to, to the world, the wider world. And uh, I think from a very young age, always wanted to, uh, wanted to travel. 
Um, I studied mechanical and uh, offshore engineering um, in Aberdeen and later coupled that up with, a, with an MBA. Um, I actually started off my, my career, I mean, oil, oil and gas is really integral to the Aberdeen economy, uh, the oil capital of, uh, of, of Europe. And I started off working in the diving industry, then transitioned into um, working in the drilling industry with uh, Baker Hughes, or a big multinational oil and gas service company. Um, I stayed with them for 16 years, and that was really building uh, up on uh, many, many uh, different roles. Very interesting time. Worked in sales, worked in engineering, uh, worldwide product management, worked across roles in Russia Caspian area when I really cut my, cut my teeth, if you like, in P&L management and uh, managing large and uh, diverse multicultural teams. Um, and then, as you said, I've been in Africa now for the last 12 years, uh, firstly with Baker Hughes, um, where I was uh, operations director working across some 15 countries. Um, and then for the last nine years, I've been in, uh, in Nigeria, uh, always in key, key operations roles. I really like the, uh, the challenge of uh, chief operating officer type roles. So uh, I was doing that for a, a, an oil service company and then transitioned into uh, the telecom sector, which I'd like to tell you a little bit about. Um, and then into this current role with OilServe managing uh, the group operations. So the, the domain of um, you know, chief operating officer or the operation side of things has got a lot of intersections between telecom and oil and gas. Are you seeing that or is it, is it completely different? And, and when you look at it with a third dimension of being in Nigeria, for example... Um, they're different, but the same. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think the telecom in infrastructure business is an incredibly challenging business within uh, within Nigeria and 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 any any developing uh, developing nation. Um, the company I worked for, IHS Towers, uh, did a tremendous job. Grew up from nothing um, at the in the early two thousands and was listed on the New York Stock Exchange um, back in uh, 2021. And at that time was the, uh, I think still is, the was the largest African IPO on the New York Stock Exchange. But as far as, as, far as leadership goes, you know, I'm, I'm a very um, quality, health, safety, security, and environmental focused leader. And that, that's an absolute necessity um, in the continent. Uh, because there's just so many challenges. There's new challenges creep up every day. Um, you know, a lot of the people are not particularly well educated or trained. Um, so, you know, you're, you've really got to make sure that you build up your team of leaders in a, in a team. Um, the, you can't have enough. You know, it doesn't matter what people are doing. If you can just educate them in how to lead and how to ask questions, in how to um, give away just a, just a little bit of their authority, so that they build up future leaders in the in the company. It goes a long, long way um, to helping everybody in the organisation thrive. 
Yeah, and and that's the you know the 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 topic of uh, leadership and skills very very important, and uh, this is one of the challenges uh, globally, but also within the African continent as well. Uh, I was speaking with several business leaders, and they mentioned that you know one of the significant risks is around the technical and skills gap from a leadership perspective, especially if international players continue to you know, divest from the region. Um, so countries like Nigeria, considering increasing and strengthening, you know, local oil and gas workforce capabilities, but also bringing in, um, you know, global leaders like yourself and investing in talents and skills are very, very important in order to grow that sustainable energy business. So there, there is a direct relationship between skills capabilities within the region but also that leadership aspect so how, how are you seeing that are you seeing a lot of those risks and how that translates to energy transition as well yes absolutely i think you, you've you've hit on a very very key point Stephen. um you know absolutely more needs to be done to educate and train africans i mean nigeria has got a very clear brain drain um, in the telecom sector, it was very, very pronounced. In oil and gas, it's very pronounced, especially, you know, in amongst the, uh, the engineering disciplines. Um, and, you know, the likes of the UK is, is a big part of that, right? Because uh, a lot of the options of, of getting people in from Europe uh, have kind of dried up. And Nigeria now is a key, key shopping ground for, uh, for, for talent. But that is not doing the African continent any good because they absolutely need these skills. And I think it, it, it comes, we can't wait for the governments. The governments are not going to act quickly enough. And I think it takes key industry players to collaborate. I was speaking to um, uh, an old colleague of mine that works for a, a competitive firm. And I always like this, uh, this term, competition you know, both cooperation and uh, competition. And I think it, it's, it's a case of we need to look at that competition for people because there's key areas, you know, people in, uh, in quality roles, in, in welding excellence, in engineering excellence, that uh, companies could uh, really get together, especially if we're, it's project-driven companies. We don't all, we're not always all busy at the same time and really collaborate uh, in certain roles to create a training environment, which is common to all the companies. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you go into one company for one project or another company for another project, you get consistency in that training and development. Um, and then it, it helps everyone at the end of the day. So there's, there's ideas like that that, uh, that I'm exploring uh, within Nigeria to try and alleviate some of those uh, some of those challenges but i think it it, re it really does lie on the larger companies the larger indigenous companies like OilServe, but also the multinationals uh, you know they do a very good job of training up their own staff some of them do a very very good job of helping companies as well indigenous companies and help them bring up their own people but i think they could they could do more and really need to do more and we'll we'll come into the people and the culture and the leadership aspects further in the in the conversation. 
keen to hear about the energy transition and the transformational aspects, and especially from a regional perspective, what, what trends are you seeing locally and how does some of the global impacts actually have a, uh, a, a dent on the region as well in, in, the, in the spaces of uh, energy transition? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very, very interested in the, in the whole energy transition space. Um, especially in Africa, I find it absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, a lot of people, especially in the West, think that uh, think that Africa can, like they did in telecom, right? They never ever had a wired telecom system, jump directly to mobile, mm. and think that they can do the same with energy. They don't need to go through the uh, the transition of uh, you know coal to oil to gas to renewables can jump straight to renewables. Mm. But I'm afraid it's just a, it's just a fallacy. Um, it, it just can't, can't be done. Um, the, the, the infrastructure is broken. There's no grid. Um, so it does need to be a gradual process. And I think, you know, gas is really going to be a key part of that. Nigeria just launched uh, their energy transition strategy uh, last month, actually. Yeah. And, you know, they stated very clearly that gas needs to be a big part of that energy transition yeah. in line with the Sustainable Development Goal 7 of having a, a, a affordable power for all by uh, 2030, which in itself is a very, very stretched goal. Um, but as I say, you know, projects like the AKK gas pipeline will be a key enabler for that. Uh, in fact, at OilServe, uh, we've just changed our, our purpose. Our purpose now is accelerating the energy transition and improving African lives. And that's really, and that's really speaking to uh, bringing in the infrastructure, building the infrastructure, perhaps even owning and operating the infrastructure and then bringing uh, economic growth uh, to the region through through cheaper energy, because yeah. uh, at, at the at the end of the day, um, cheaper gas and much cheaper gas supplies will make the region far more competitive. Okay. Um, yeah. I think the other piece of that improving African lives is on the health side. Today, there are uh, literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of diesel generators pumping out highly toxic fumes right across the nation. And if we could even change you know, half of those by 2030 to gas, then all of a sudden you've got 30% less CO2 emissions. You've got no soot in the air. It's a clean burning fuel. You've got 80% less nitrogen dioxide um, and no heavy metals. So you know, it's going to improve the health of the people as well as create um, a much more efficient economic uh, uh, growth vehicle. Yeah, it's, 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 there is a, there is that intersection between the, the economic, the commercial and the social responsibility aspects. And it's a very interesting that you've actually changed the purpose of uh Oil serve, which is uh, very much, very much resonates with social responsibility as well. So that's 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 definitely very good. So so I'm I'm hearing that you, you know there is a drive towards investing more in renewable re renewable 
projects, but at pace, um, sure. which means, um, you know, considering investing in, in these types of projects, but also um, you mentioned about infrastructure. So which means also maximizing some form of intracontinent and international gas opportunities between the region as well as global as well? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, you know, you see how badly uh, the, uh, the, the, the gas security of Europe. And, uh, you know, I think that's one thing living in Africa. You perspective, you know, looking at it now, um, and I, I worked in Russia a long time. I know the Russian people. You know, I love Russia. It's uh, one of my favorite countries. It really breaks my heart to see what's going on. But when I, when I look back and I, I see, you know, Germany was really throwing everything into Russia with Nord Stream 1 pipeline uh, and then building a second Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline and doing this despite all the warnings of, uh, of the USA saying this is a real danger to energy security, they carried on. And far simpler option to diversify and de-risk the security of gas supplies would have been to go to Africa yeah. and build the, one of the two pipelines which has been on the table for many, many years, which is uh, the Trans-Sahara pipeline through from Nigeria uh, over, the, over the Sahara through Egypt and into Europe. That one is a little bit challenging because it goes through a lot of terrorist country. There's a lot of security issues. Um, whether that one will ever go ahead, I'm not so sure. And, but then the other one is, uh, is an offshore pipeline running right around um, the, uh, the coast of Africa from Nigeria to Morocco and then upwards and into Spain and through into Europe. Now, you know, that, that, that would be an equivalent of being a Nord Stream type pipeline. But it will take about $25 billion. It will take maybe 25 years to build. It will have a 30-year payback period. And I, I just wonder if, uh, you know, Europe and the world are, are going to be ready for a 50-year investment into a fossil fuel pipeline. Yeah. Now... The, uh, the good thing is that Europe has woken up a little bit and said, well, actually, gas is, gas is needed. Gas is green. Um, so I think that one's very positive. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, more talk, hopefully more action on actually doing that, because it's a, you know, a good, a good long-term solution. Yeah. And it would help not just Europe de-risk on, on the security side, it would help the whole economy of all of these countries in Africa because they would all contribute their, their own gas or take gas offtakes uh, from the pipeline. It would help the whole economy of the, uh, of the, uh, the sub-Sahara region uh, boom. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting times. It's uh, certainly, you go back, uh, you know, a year, you wouldn't have seen this even thought about being talked about. Huh? Yeah. So le leadership is is a big component for driving that type of success. So 
people have got different perceptions about leading in Africa, leadership in Africa, and doing business in Africa, cultural change, and so forth. You're in the heart of of that, and you've been there, you know, a decade or more. Tell us a little bit more about your experience or your views about leading in Africa and and how leaders transform culture. Um, yes, it's you know Africa's got a got a long a long history of. Uh, holding its people down and a lot of Nigerian businesses continue to practice that it's very much a hierarchical leadership style so people don't think for themselves in general they wait to be told Mm. and you know my view is that you will never build a, a, a large successful business by waiting for people to be told what to do. It's got to be the other way around in leadership, right? You've got to empower your people so that they tell you what they need to be able to do their job successfully and to be able to grow their area of the business. Um, And I've very much taken that, you know, I I took that, I learned a lot when I worked in Russia as well. Um, Because although, I mean, Russia's got very, very well-educated people um, it's got the same kind of hierarchical structure, uh, management structure as uh, as Africa. Um, but I, I kind of cut through all that. You know, I said rubbish. You know, this mm. this is just not true. Um, I don't understand why. Why do you say well, people need to be talked down to? Mm. You know, people are people. They've got have got their families. They've all got their personal pride. They've all got their personal ambitions. Do we really think that, they, that just because they work in a different part of the world that they want to be told what to do versus being encouraged to develop themselves and take pride in themselves? I just, I just don't believe that. Mm. So, you know, a number, number of factors I think I, I build on. And one of the most important in Africa is to eliminate the fear culture. Mm. When, you've got, when you're working in a, in a country which has got you know, official unemployment figures of 35%, but, you know, in reality, youth unemployment probably run at 60 or 70%. You know, there, there is a fear culture because people are scared of losing their livelihood because there isn't much else out there. So you've got to really try and make sure that people are not afraid, that they do actually go, um, take that extra step and will actually start taking some responsibility. And then it's all about alignment, uh, instilling a will to win in people, um, providing them with proper incentives and recognition, creating excitement about the vision, about what is possible in the company if we're we're all working together and we're all uh, contributing, Um, giving clear ownership, um, and letting them have a vision or letting them tell you what success will really look like. And by, by doing that and then building in place um, much better, I hate to call it monitoring, but it is kind of monitoring, but having, mm. having short-term goals yeah. that are all aligned up to the big picture and, and providing transparency. 
You know, we've got some very good tools. We use, we're using uh, Viva Goals in OilServe. And there's transparency right the way through the management uh, layers. So everyone can see what I am working on and if I'm actually doing those things. I can see people in different departments and what they are working on. Mm. So it creates that peer pressure as well mm. um, because people see other people making progress and if they're getting dragged down in, uh, in, in the small stuff and not concentrating on what's important, mm. it can give them a bit of a kick to, to, uh, mm. to get moving. It's 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 also that um, that level of accountability as well that uh, that's tied into that transparency that you mentioned. So uh, you can hold other people accountable, but other people also get that level of accountability because they you, you, they they're bringing that transparency right across. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So, so Le Le Lester, I mean, you've touched on this, but is there anything more that you want to add in terms of a story or experience that uh, that comes to your mind that has resulted in in a in a highly positive outcome, maybe from the things that you have actually introduced or that you've experienced? Um, it's not. Let me let me let me share one story because I think it's quite a good it's quite a good. Uh, Africa story, and this is mm -hmm. this is sort of pivoting away a little bit in, on customer relationships, and mm -hmm. uh, I think it's uh, an important thing to share as well is um, the values of customers. A lot of people think Africa, think Nigeria, think well, the only way that you go and do business is by going and bribing people, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, there's all these there's all these uh, um, uh, misnomers. Yeah. And and yes, it goes on, right? Yes, it's a highly corrupt country. Uh, I mean, as I say, I've worked here, I've worked in Russia, I've worked in, you know, these are uh, from a compliance side, uh, very, very challenging areas to work uh, work compliantly, but you can do it. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll share, share a little story around that. It was uh, a number of years ago when, when I'd, I'd moved, to, uh, moved to Nigeria and there was a, an oil and gas, a smaller oil and gas operator who was going through a very difficult time uh, due to fraud-related issues. So the uh, the lead company, their partner company, um, had been playing all sorts of games, and there was massive fraud. And I met I met with a new CEO um, who um, was a, a very uh, very pleasant pleasant lady, and. I was asking because we were due tens of millions of dollars and I was there to see how we could get our money back. So I went in initially and I, I, I sat and I listened. And as the story developed, um, I actually understood that they were victims. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just us and other suppliers that how it, that were at risk of losing a lot of money, they were victims in all this. And I think that, that sort of changed my outlook. You know, I went from somebody who was coming in as I, again, it was a group CEO there. I was thinking, man, we need to, we need to get our money. This is going to really kill us from a cash flow perspective. Um, and also our banks wouldn't be too happy. Um, but, you know, as I listened, I thought, you know, there's no point in me being going aggressive in here because it's not their fault 
they're actually going to be struggling financially. At that time, the oil price was way, way, way low. And I went, you know what? I understand. I said, I want to keep touch. I want to make sure I under, understand how the story is, is going along. Um, and let's see how we can work this out for the benefit of everybody. And I had numerous meetings with, uh, with, with her over, you know, probably, probably over a couple of years, actually, this went on. But, you know, at a later meeting, um, she called me in and I, I came, I was working in Lagos, she was in Abuja, and she called me in and she said, you know, Lester, you were the only one that showed empathy for us. Because everybody else were coming in saying, we need the money, we need the money, we need the money. You were the only one that really, truly sat, listened, and understood what was happening. And, you know, that, that, that lesson transferred, uh, we, we ended up getting about $80 million worth of business directly. I mean, it was a negotiated, uh, a negotiated bid. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was done um, without any competition, but it was understood it was going to be a hard negotiation because, you know, it's business, right? But, you know, that was a very, very valuable lesson uh, to me. It was one that, you know, came from my nature. It didn't, it wasn't anything I was consciously doing, but always have empathy for uh, not, not, not just your customers, but also, you know, I do a lot with, um, with my people as well. Um, there's one, one thing I always take to doing is if I hear that a good person is leaving in the company and it doesn't matter what level they are, you know, I said, send them to me. I want yeah. to speak to them. Yeah. And the first thing I always say to them, I said, look, don't think I'm trying to persuade you to stay because I'm not. I said, but I've made some mistakes before in my career of leaving when perhaps I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And I just want to make sure that you're doing the right thing for you. Mm. As I'm quite happy, I love to see people grow, but I just want to make sure that you're making the right decision for you. Mm. And I then just have a, have a conversation with them. And if it's, you know, if it's a great opportunity and they see that that's uh, going to be a good move for themselves and their family mm. and their career, you know, shake hands in a way. But a number of times, you know, I've, I think I've, I've had people just thinking, you know, well, why am I, why am I really moving? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it hasn't been because I'm, you know, just giving them an extra, uh, an extra few dollars in the pay packet. It's been because they've, they've thought about it a little yeah. bit differently than they were originally. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, the topic of empathy you mentioned, very, very critical. And also you mentioned about leaving and, you know, celebrating with them, but also delving into that conversation with them as to whether it's the right whether they're doing it for the right reasons and for them they, they, they've thought about it and, and bringing that bit of mentorship to them is, is such an important aspect so that demonstrates a lot of leadership let's say is there, is there I mean aside from things that we talked about before around uh, energy transition transformation and you know leadership in, in in businesses are there any other important topics or trends on your mind these days and and also from a global perspective also from a regional perspective that you feel impact you know people businesses the boards and so forth and what they need to focus on um yeah i think one one area that 
that uh, again I'm I'm very very interested in and uh, is on the sort of sales and business development side, mm-hmm. um, which I think in a B two B world now is changing dramatically. Um, I think the way that uh, the, that we sell and promote our our companies is changing dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I'm I'm bringing into uh, to to oil serve. You know this whole idea of thought leadership, mm-hmm. uh, of social selling, of getting efficient market intelligence. You know it's it's gone are the days when um, uh, when we were sitting uh, in meetings in uh, companies and everybody was there. You can't get all of the, the decision makers and influencers in one place anymore. So, you know, how do you do it? Do you go and fly around each of their areas? Do you go and visit them in their homes? Do you go to all the conferences that, they, uh, that, they, that they're all, all going to visit? You know, it's, very, it's getting very, very complex because you will never capture them all. Mm. And uh, so, I, I mean, in, in OilServe, we're kind of going through a little bit of a, a transition in, in, the, in the sales and business development as well. And trying to see how we can claim our space in the EPCIC uh, mm. area as, uh, as thought leaders. So we're looking at social selling. Um, we're looking at how to better use CRM tools. Uh, how to do stakeholder management better. Um, we're, going to be, we're going to be setting up a little studio uh, within, the, uh, within the facility so we can do podcasts. Mm-hmm. We can do uh, presentations that doesn't involve people sitting down, staring at one another. It's actually got a professional setup like you, know, like you are watching the news almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. So something something a lot more engaging, and it was interesting when I when I started pitching this to uh, to the management team, and I was speaking about you know tools like LinkedIn and uh, and uh, switching away from spending so much money on conferences to doing a lot more thought leadership content on social media. Uh, one of the guys said, "Yeah, but uh, that's not really a thing in Africa." <laughs> and and I said my my response was yeah but are you watching how it's growing and what is your alternative would you rather we wait until everybody else has done it and then we jump in and do it mm-hmm. or would you rather be the leader within the pack and the leader within our business area and uh, have a competitive advantage by being the first learning making sure we tailor the content, we show off all of our capabilities because, uh, you know, our, our ambitions lie um, out of uh, Nigeria. We do a little bit of business outside Nigeria, but not very much. So we're not very well-known. Very well-known company in Nigeria, but not outside. So, I mean, what a better way of getting yourself known um, around the continent than, uh, than through social marketing and social selling. Yeah. And I think it's got to be it's got to be true. You know, corporate communications uh, must become corporate conversations. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's not about one-way communication anymore. It's about creating these conversations like we're doing today. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and really learning from that. Yeah. Lester, we're coming to a close very shortly. Is there any closing messages or a challenge to other leaders that you want to make on any topic, business, personal, anything that you feel that would... Uh, you know rev up the uh, the other leaders <laughs> you know one i i was i was reading your 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 own bio Stephen, right and um i i read that you're a you're a fan of winston churchill i am yes <laughs> <laughs> and and many years ago when actually when i was in when i was in uh, in russia um I, I really I really came across my favorite quote, and the Russians loved this. They they absolutely loved it. And I use it all the time now, and I think it's uh, I think it's very appropriate um, for the need for leaders showing real grit and determination sure. in the face of all of the challenges that we uh, that we go through, especially when working in developing markets and. You know, through all this inflationary issues we're going through just now, energy crisis and everything, and that's when you're going through hell. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah. And no, well, and, was, and yeah. I think I think for leaders, I think it just just sums it up, right? I mean, you've you've just you've just got to uh, got to knuckle down, do it with a smile on your face, be pleasant to people, have empathy. Um, train up the youth. You know, we're we're in the middle of uh, training up thirty uh, young graduates, and again, this is all part of our our people strategy. Um, because you know, we we all the all the good talent, unfortunately, has been been sucked out. So, yeah. um, you know, we need to we need to look after the future of the company and look after the future of the the next generations. Yeah, Lester. Thank you very much for uh, for sharing that, uh, you know, those words of wisdom and uh, for being with us to, uh, here today and sharing your journey as well. Thank you very much. No, thank you, Paul. It's been, uh, Stephen, it's been, uh, been a pleasure. Wonderful. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode where we hear from the chairperson of uh, Chambers of Commerce here in the UK, We'll hear more about which region she represents. So stay tuned and stay on for uh, more information as well as a bonus offer for you that you can't miss. The links of which will be in the description of this video. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You're now seeing this part of the video also because you consume some of my content, insights and teachings. Maybe you've been to my LinkedIn page or website or seen other social media ads or listened to my podcast. I'm Stephen Paul, a business and transformational executive coach, strategic advisor, leader and board member. I've been in diverse roles, corporate executive, entrepreneur and worked with businesses and firms of all sizes, built and launched businesses, created high impact boards and so forth in four continents. I get it. I've been there, done that, but what is different is I bring a unique perspective and a playbook. I've helped 100 plus business leaders just like you to scale and align their leadership top teams, the board and overall business for growth. 
leaders like Ivana from medium-sized company in the EU who grew 150% and expanded globally in under five months. After she started to work with me over facilitated session, sessions in an initial three days, I helped fine-tune their strategy and align their leadership team and board to be a cohesive driving force to achieve their dreams and outcomes. I want to teach you the same thing and more on how to scale and align your leadership team and board so you can increase your business growth and value. Get clarity on what is the next right strategy for you. There are multiple ways we can work with you. Number one, click the link for a free non-obligatory 60-minute initial strategic session. Let's get a feel for your dreams, your vision, your challenges, and let me convert that into a route map for you where we can co-develop and co-pilot. Number two, enroll in an innovative and intuitive digital online course that I have curated, created to help you transform. It's called Unshakable Resilience. It is the ultimate program for individuals and business leaders like you who want to be equipped at a personal and professional level to respond to any form of challenges or in crisis situations and take on opportunities with grit, resilience, and build a mindset of success. In essence, you want to be unshakable, thrive in crisis, take on opportunities in the face of adversity, and build a success mindset. So click the link below to learn more on how I can personally help you individually and your firm to scale and align your leadership team and business and pivot in a transformational way. And for you to experience this, whatever the challenge you're facing, get in touch with me. Let's discuss and I will share my insight rapidly to enable your transformation. Click the links below.